This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's no Wednesday. Wow. December 13th. December 13th. Wow. Can you believe we are just days away from Christmas and we're in the midst of our Hanukkah celebration with our Jewish brothers and sisters, sending them so much love today. And of course, we've had Eid with our Muslim brothers and sisters. It's just a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful time of the year. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Kate Cox case here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Want to know what your thoughts are, everybody, about the follow-up? Will her husband have to go to jail? I mean, will he held, be held legally liable? It's something to think about. Uh, what about what will happen across state lines? I mean, there is a lot. There are a lot of moving parts in this case, and we're going to talk about that. And then at the top of the hour, we are going to be talking about President Biden's stunning pushback against Israel. Uh, He said, look, you cannot continue as you are continuing. Uh, What's happening in Gaza is uh, making you lose popularity all over the world. Wow. And um, so what does that mean? So you tell me what what just what does that mean? What will that mean for uh, for Israel? Is this a game changer for the relationship? You tell me what your thoughts are. 773-763-9278. And will this change public opinion about President Biden's handling of this situation? I mean, he has taken a real hit uh, in terms of his, you know, in terms of his popularity. And many people are saying that, you know, he could lose the presidency on this. Some people are saying he's already lost it. So I want to know. What your thinking is, call me at 773-763-9278. Will this be enough for him to recover his popularity? Call me at 773-763-WCPT. We'll be up on StreamYard shortly as soon as they send me a link. How about that? Because they have not sent me anything. I can't get on. I can't get on, but I will in a hot second. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Where are we going to go with this Middle East? I mean, now Ukraine, they're not getting the money they say that they need. And um, and not just Republicans are pushing back against that. So even with President Zelensky's visit to the United States, uh, many American legislators are saying, well, no. I just can't give you the money. Where is this money going? And and there are a lot of questions about this, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Should more money go to Ukraine? Or should we get out? You know, we kind of do that. You know, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Korea, you know, when it's kind of done for us, we're kind of done done with it. And we leave other people kind of holding 
the bag. It's something to think about, something to think about. And, you know, I never believed that we should have been in Ukraine in the first place. Never. I don't think we should have. We had no business there. Uh, but here we are. And here we go. So I'm coming up on YouTube and uh, and on StreamYard, everybody. So let's get right to it. Let's get right to it with some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Nearly 200 countries made a historic deal at a global global at the COP28 summit this morning after weeks of contentious talks in Dubai. What do you think is going to happen there, everybody? I mean, how will that impact America and how we do what it is that we do? Because we are among the biggest users of fossil fuels, right? I mean, in order to become the, until the industrial powerhouse that we've become, we had to do a lot of polluting. Mm, and we're still doing it, everybody. So we'll see how this deal goes. President Biden criticized Israel's conduct in its war against Hamas yesterday. He said that indiscriminate bombing, as he put it, in the Gaza in the Gaza Strip is costing Israel support all around the world. It suggests the U.S. is souring on a campaign that has killed more than 17,000 Palestinians. And some reports have it up to 18,000. Palestinians. So what do you think, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278. The U.S. has pushed for another pause in fighting to release hostages. Call me at 773-763-9278. The House will vote on an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Republicans want to strengthen their powers to investigate the Biden family's finances. Mm-hmm. Today's vote could formally authorize the inquiry, which began in September. Where do you think that's going to go, everybody? And Andre Brower, do you remember him in glory? He was the the very stoic, sensitive black soldier um, who was a man of privilege who went to fight to save black people and to save the Union. And, of course, he has gone on to win two Emmys and and he's become an actor of tremendous renown, most lately of, most recently of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Well, 61 years of age, he died. No cause of death has been confirmed. But 61, Andre Brower dedicating the show to him and his beautiful family today. COVID and flu cases are rising ahead of the holidays. Emergency room visits for COVID-19 at Flu and RSV are collectively reaching their highest level since February. Everybody, please take care of yourselves and let us listen to Dr. Knighton so we can make getting healthy our baseline, not being sick. Uh, in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 39 degrees. It will be cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, same kind of thing. 39 degrees, it will be cloudy. No games in the NFL last night. In the NBA, the Nuggets 114, the Bulls 106, and tomorrow the Timberwolves will be facing off against the Mavericks. In the NHL, the Oilers 4, Chicago 1. Tomorrow, the Flames will be facing off against the Wild. All right. (laughs) Vicki Johnson, my dear pastor, my dear sister and friend, Pastor Johnson, how are you doing? I am well, Santita. What about you? I am doing well. Talk to me. I need some good news. Some good. Oh my gosh! I need some good news today. I think we all do hey. all the time. You know, something oh, that lifts yeah. you. What do they say? That's why you got to stop by the church sometimes. Something might be said that can help you on your way. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So, what's the good news today? And first, how can we worship with you on Sunday? You can worship with me at Lebanon Lutheran, 13100 
South Manistee at 9 o'clock a.m. And then at St. Thomas Lutheran, 80th and Jeffrey Boulevard at 11.30 a.m. I love it. Well, the good news, what is it? Well, good morning, Santita, and good morning to all of your morning stars and friends. There is good news. One of the biggest girl groups recorded a hit song that resonates today. Destiny's Child Survivor says, I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. I'm a survivor. I'm going to make it. I will survive. Keep on surviving. For all of us who are alive today, we are survivors. Over 1,100,000 people in the United States have died in less than three years from a pandemic that was so unexpected. These 100 one million one hundred people are not just another number with a tragic end. They are fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and wives and husbands and cousins and friends. They are co-workers and entrepreneurs and preachers and politicians. They are first responders and caregivers and healthcare workers. They are black, brown, and yellow, and red, and white. They are rich and poor and everything in between. People. Over 1,100,000 people. Those of us who are left behind are survivors, and we have survived for a reason. Make the most out of your life. Be safe. Be smart. Be vigilant. Be caring. Be kind. Be helpful. Be not afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You're a survivor. Think about it. You're a survivor, so keep on surviving. If you can do this, then I'm sure that you will. Then to me, that's good news. I love that. Hadn't even thought of myself as a survivor. Of the, you know, mm-hmm. but I think we forget just how frightening that whole period was. You know, just yes. it's airborne. You can get it. You're not going to get it. I even had, you know, a healthcare professional tell me, you know, prior to, you know, getting, I guess, shots and all of that. She said, you know, this is going to kill you. I was like, no, it won't. <laughs> it's going to kill me. 
she was a physician. I said, I love you to pieces. I said, but that's not your call. I said, I ain't getting out of here not like that. I said, God didn't tickle my ear with that piece. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, no, I'm serious. No, no. I mean, at yes. some point, I guess you do look at yourself as a survivor and say, no, I'm going to be, yes. we're going to work this out. So thank you for that. I, I needed that. And I think somebody needed to be empowered by that message today. You are a survivor. You are a yes. survivor. And other people didn't just come. It was their time to go. But you are a survivor. You can withstand anything. I love it. I love it. Pastor Vicki Johnson, again, how? Because we have two opportunities to worship with you on Sunday. <laughs> yes, you do. You can worship with me at Lebanon Lutheran in Hegwish at 13100 South Manistee at 9 a.m. And then again at St. Thomas Lutheran um, on 80th and Jeffrey Boulevard at 11.30 a.m. for an hour of power. And we are in the Advent season, so what better time than to give thanks to God as we celebrate the fact that we are survivors. I love it. I love it. Amen to that. Pastor Vicki Johnson, everybody, sending you so much love, sending you so much love. We've got Dr. Shanina Knighton and Maureen. I hear you are a a caller today, Dr. Knighton, before I go to you. Maureen, you've called in. What's on your mind, sweetie? Yes, hi. Pardon my voice. Um, I'm living in Minneapolis, and I'm actually a psychiatrist. And I'm married to a man who was born in Lviv, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And in 2013, I I married him. I had never been to Ukraine. I went to Lviv, and I uh, experienced Ukraine at the height of their hope when they were looking forward to joining the EU. And I was well aware that the leader at that time of their country, I forget his name, was very corrupt, and they had known it, and they were working on getting their democracy straightened up because they really wanted to be part of NATO. They wanted to be part of the EU. And I learned that, you know, Ukraine has was a country long before Russia was uh, historically. And when I hear some of the – it is propaganda when we talk about, well, the um, – the fact that the United States had um, put um, station or military bases in Poland or on, the, on that border, they were antagonizing Russia. I can tell you that the Ukrainians felt that Russia was always after them. And mm-hmm. in the 1930s, starved 3 to 11 million of them in Ukraine because they're the breadbasket. They, they produce, they have the richest soil in Europe, and they produce so much food for the rest of the world. And so they have resources and mines and and fuel that Russia really wants, along with um, the fact they gave up all their nuclear weapons in the 90s in uh, agreement that we would protect them. So I think that we're getting off cheap in a way by, in terms of American lives, by supporting Ukraine in fighting Russia. I know people say, well, there's no end game. Actually, the end game is either Russia is going to take over Ukraine or not. Um, and it's very sad. Uh, we still have relatives in Lviv, and they're staying. I've asked them to come, and they could, you know, they could live with me, but they, they're resisting. They want their country. They have, they're very prideful. Um, mm-hmm. When my husband was a boy, he went to Russia school on Saturdays. 
uh, because they wanted the Ukrainian kids to all speak Russian. And uh, his father, who was a physician and ran a hospital, had an escape plan if the um, the Russian, uh, you know, uh, USSR uh, KGB ever came in. And I saw his escape plan, and I thought he'd never fit in that cupboard. But anyway, so they lived <laughs> under the fear of the Soviet Union forever. And it's just, um, I don't think we realize what a large country it is, what a lot of resources they have, and why why Russia really wants it. And when they're on the doorstep of Poland and the uh, Eastern Europe, uh, we're all going to be uh, really afraid. Because well, Marie, they're going to you know- lock up. I I absolutely pray for your family, and I hope that they will continue to be safe. I think the challenge you've got in Ukraine is that many, 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 many Ukrainians are ethnically Russian, and it is also a family fight. They, Russia not only wants Ukraine, but but we want, I'm saying, but no, let let me finish this, because I I wanted you to have the space to speak. We want them too. The fact is, I guess my pushback is that we made a deal with Russia as they were breaking up their Soviet Union and as Russia was, as the USSR was going to be no more. And they said, you know what? You can have, you can break up, Germany can reunite. Not a problem. We just don't want NATO to move toward Russia. And that was the agreement. And we had a handshake agreement. It was a formalized agreement. And we, as soon as uh, there was the reunification of Germany, we turned our back on the agreement. You can't do that. We did not allow missiles 90 miles off of our coast in Cuba. You can't. I mean, and so you have to. I think we have to have a fully fleshed out discussion about it because we have not had that. I think we have gotten one side of it. And then you have a lot of people, quite frankly, who are pushing uh, this war with, with Russia, we've lost more than half a million Ukrainians. They were never equipped to fight Russia. And I mean, I think about half a million people dead. Why? Because they're and, being and, bombed. And, because no, no, they're no, being but, attacked. But, but we, they were being attacked, but we also allowed hostilities, Maureen. And I mean, I just we allowed, this, this is where this is where I think you're buying the propaganda that we no 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 I'm not buying no 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 I'm not them. I'm not buying propaganda because you know what I also do no no I no they shouldn't be because that was the agreement but when I talk to African leadership they have a different view of this when I talk to Indian leadership they have a different view of this I repeat we would not allow missiles 90 miles away from our borders we certainly would not allow a hostile force to be in Canada or Mexico we wouldn't allow it do you know how large Ukraine is it's not 90 I miles do. from Russia it's no, huge no 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 it's, no, no, but no they're on their border they, they share Korea a border in 2014 but they share now, a border they share, they share a border. And I'm just they saying to you... over the country. We're, we don't no, have this. but they are also... Many of them are ethnically Russian. It is not that simple. Depend that is so interesting. You don't realize that they force the Russian on those people. No, and they yes, did not. The, the Ukraine... Because be. I'm throwing Ukrainian history, too. They have flipped. They have sided with the West sometimes. They've sided with Russia sometimes. They've gone back and forth. I want I peace there. I don't think you know your history. No, I think I do. I think but with all due respect, well, I'm not I, married I, to I, you. I, I listen to you every day, and I appreciate what you say. But mm-hmm. what you don't realize is the Russians were starving the Ukrainians in World War II when the Nazis came in, and they gave them food. Yeah. And so people...
people say that the I understand that too. With the I, Nazis, but let's move but forward. Let's move food. forward a few generations. We promised that we would not that we would not touch Ukraine, that we would not touch the station, the, the nations that border the Soviet Union, or excuse me, that border Russia. We have lied, and America is at the end of the line, Maureen on being the big guy on the block doing whatever it is that we want to do. It does not work. It just doesn't. And I'm saying this to you as someone, and you as an American, I don't want to see any of our kids and our husbands and and and, and wives and children go over there. I don't want to see, I'm, I'm, tired, I'm tired of it. But you know, hold on, hold that thought, hold that thought, because we can talk during the break, but I'm, I'm, I've gone past my break with you. But stay right there, okay? Talking about Kate Cox on the next break. Stay right there, Dr. Knight, and I want to get some infection prevention news from you. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. Go over to YouTube, the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, and everybody. You know, Maureen, I hope you call back tomorrow. I hope there are no hard feelings. You have very, very strong feelings. I do, and you have facts. I absolutely have facts. And so, and I would not come on the air without them. I would not come on the air without them, but I want us to, I want us to have this discussion. Um, and, and we can, oh, wait a minute, Dr. No, Dr. Knighton, I can hear you. Dr. Knighton? Is Dr. Knighton still there? Okay, it's okay. No, 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 no worries. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm talking to the to the audience, so I I can respectfully agree or disagree with you, everybody. But you know, when I have brought people here, there are many things that we don't know about Ukraine, and we have played a lot of games, and we have failed over there, and that's why we are trying to pull out. We failed in Afghanistan, that's why we're trying to pull out. We failed in a lot of places, and now America is not, there is not, it is no longer a unipolar world. It is a multipolar world where there is more than one superpower, and we're going to see that. We are going to see that, and you know, you're not just going to come over here and pull money out my purse. I said, I, I said, I didn't want us over there, and, and that is my business. Let Europe handle Europe's business. How about that? Put these billions in America's cities and towns and villages. We're closing hospitals. We don't even have a million hospital beds for 340 million people. I don't have that kind of time. And we don't have that kind of money. Now, before we talk about Kate Cox with Aaron Connolly and Attorney C.K. Hoffler, uh, Dr. Shanita Knighton, COVID, flu, and RSV are on the rise. <laughs> oh, boy. What do you want to talk about today? Uh, Dr. Knighton, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Santita. Okay, so what would you like to talk about today? Uh, I was just going to stick with something really simple, just remind people that cell phones are dirtier than toilet seats, and essentially mm. because of that, we don't realize how much we do with them with touching them with our hands, with how much we put them up to our faces, how much we sit them down on surfaces. Again, studies show that they can become 10 times sturdier than toilet seats. 
So it's very important to make sure that you are cleaning your phone at least one to two times per day because it can be a source of germ transmission, which means that when you are saying, I don't know how I got sick, I don't know how my skin broke out, it could come directly from your phone. Okay, thank you. That makes me feel very, very good. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, it's the truth. I mean, as we're watching, you know, RSV, COVID, and the flu rise, you know, we really need to get back to where we were a couple of years ago. Uh, it, it, it looked a little crazy, and there needs to be maybe a more fluid way of, of, of disinfecting. But we're going to have to do something. You have to do something, and you really need to know how filthy these phones are. How about that? So, you know what? Let me bring up Attorney C.K. Hoffler sending you much love, Dr. Shanita Knighton. Attorney C.K. Hoffler, and we have got Attorney Aaron Conley with you today as well. And so I want to talk with you, excuse me, about Kate Cox and Texas. She and her husband fled Texas. Uh, so that she could terminate her pregnancy. What many people don't know is that in this interregnum, as the courts have been ruling, she's had to go to the hospital on numerous occasions because she's been bleeding. She's had cramping. It's been a very, very painful and difficult pregnancy, indicating that it is as dangerous as the doctor said that it has been. And so now that um, she and her husband have fled state, many questions arise, attorney. C.K. Hoffler and Attorney Connolly. And I say the questions are legal and the questions are also political, Attorney Connolly. First of all, who's liable? I mean, the, the doctors who terminate the pregnancy, even though they're out of state, will, will, will they be held liable? Will they be allowed to practice in Texas? Should the Cox family still live in Texas? Is this something that the Democrats are going to run on? In in twenty uh, twenty four, let me start with you, C.K. Who could go to jail? Could her husband go to Could her husband go to jail? Could she go to jail? Can she go back to Can they go back to Texas and get their kids? Well, good morning, Santita. So, you know, Texas is the wild, wild west. So, when I talk about what could happen, there's one thing that would could happen when I talk about legally, and I'm not licensed in Texas, but just based on the analysis. She did not, it's our understanding that she went out of state to terminate her pregnancy because she predicted, as well as the group that filed, the Center for the Reproductive Rights, that filed a lawsuit on her behalf, that the Texas Supreme Court was not going to rule in her favor. So she left before. And the reason why that's important, because had she stayed, had she stayed, Texas has this law where you can have civil penalties as well as potentially criminal exposure, not just to the person, but anyone who assists in the procurement of an abortion. Well, we know that there are many people that were trying to help this woman, including her doctors, um, that were the doctors, but the doctors stopped because Texas law precluded them from going any further. So had she stayed, her family, she would, anyone who helped her could have been exposed to civil penalties, certainly and possibly criminal. Now, she's left the jurisdiction. The question is, can she come back? Well, it's a free country. She can always come back. Do they have an eye on her? Absolutely. The Texas Attorney General actually, in the pendency, before the Texas Supreme Court ruled, 
when they were just taking it under observation and making a determination of what they were going to do, he made it clear in a statement that he was going to prosecute any hospital in the state of Texas or anyone who attempted to assist her with the termination of her pregnancy. That was before the Texas Supreme Court ruled. So we can derive from that the amount of ire, intensity, because she has bucked the system from their standpoint in Texas. And this is this is this comes straight down party lines. So if she comes back into the jurisdiction, I would dare say that they would try to contrive a way to either impose civil penalties, because we know that she terminated the pregnancy, even though it wasn't in Texas. So there's going to be a jurisdictional question. The long arm statute, this is this is going to be a jurisdictional question, a legal battle. Would they have jurisdiction over her, given that the act of determination didn't happen in Texas? Given that none of the alleged criminal or civilly viable, violative behavior happened in Texas, would they have the ability to prosecute? That's a close question. That's a close question. I would say in Texas, I would enchant it. But she's done it. They have children there. She's going to come back. I don't think it's a clean yes or no answer. I would say if she comes back, she and her family will be targets, if not for legal reasons, for political reasons, because this issue is a political issue. Will the Democrats run and use this as an example on this issue of reproductive rights and say pretty much have prevailed on this issue in the midterm elections? Absolutely, they will use this. And absolutely, they should use this. This is tantamount to me to almost criminal. The state should never be involved in these decisions when they're medical, when there's medical uh, testimony and doctors who have intervened in the best interest of the mother and the child. Never. So I think this is something that the Democrats absolutely should use in the elections because this is exactly why the reversal of Roe versus Wade was ill-advised and exactly how the mess, we're seeing the mess that's created because each state is held to its own devices to legislate something that should not be legislated. Well, you so, see, there Aaron, are other women in Texas who are dealing with the same uh-huh. issue. I mean, Absolutely. how do you see this playing Absolutely. out nationally? I mean, what's, what's going to happen here? Well, you know, nationally, it's not just Texas. This is happening throughout the, the country. I'm sitting here in Georgia. Georgia is another one of these very conservative states. They're women, and they're primarily women who are black and brown women and women who have um, trouble economically, who are disadvantaged from an economic standpoint, don't have the resources to go to another jurisdiction. There are cases pending in these different states, by the way, that um, Center for Reproductive Rights or organizations that that are in favor of supporting a woman's right to choose what happens with a reproductive system that are filing lawsuits challenging them. But Kay Cox's case is the first case since actually Roe versus Wade in 1973 when it became the law. It is our belief, just based on the history and the information that we received, that this is the first case where a woman challenged and asked the state for the right to terminate her pregnancy. Imagine how crazy that is. There are thousands of women on a daily basis that, for medical reasons or other reasons, need to, want to, wish to terminate their pregnancy. And you've got to ask permission of the state and escalate a case. By that time, women could die. Children could die. Much could happen. But yet, that's where we are. So, yes, nationally, ramifications, litigation throughout the country, a few cases. But more importantly, it is the women who are at risk. And let me just say this. Those those. Abortions that are illegal, that are now illegal, and the back room 
by people who should not be performing abortions are on the rise. Black market abortions are on the rise because for people who do not have the ability or luxury to get a lawyer, escalate the case, or who don't have the resources, they're just barely making it, they are going to resort to what they need to do to either save their lives for whatever reasons, if it's medically what they have to do or terminate their pregnancies. And it's unfortunate because we're going to see a rise and an uptick of women who will die because they are so desperate and in need of medical assistance, OBGYN assistance, and they won't have the benefit of reputable doctors to help them because of the laws in these various states. So, Santita, this is awful. This is awful. Every woman in this country should be alarmed. Every woman, without exception. Every single woman. Every young girl who is a child, who can bear a child, should be upset and watching this. Every, and their families. All the young men who are engaging with young with girls in um, consensual sex should be concerned about this because there's no 100% proof contraception. It does not exist. It doesn't exist in terms of, you know, um, condoms and things like that. You know, you can certainly remove, you know, your ovaries and do things like that, but there are no, there's no way of preventing getting pregnant if you're engaged in sexual activity if you're in a certain age group. So everyone in this country should be watching this, but every single woman in this country should feel some kind of way, feel devastated by this development, because it's her today, it could be somebody else, a childbearing years in this country tomorrow. And it could be your daughter, it could be your niece, it could be your goddaughter, it could be your neighbor, it could be anyone, because pregnancy is as common as anything else in this country. It's not a sin to be pregnant, it's not a sin to get pregnant. People make mistakes, they're accidents. But most importantly, there are medical reasons why a woman has to terminate her pregnancy. And, and the state doesn't need to get involved in that. Hmm. Aaron, how do you where, how do you see this and how do you see this playing out in 2024? Well, good morning, Santita and CK. Um, excellent uh, legal analysis of, of where we are and, and what's at stake, as always, uh, the brilliant CK Hoffler. Um, and I hope we'll we'll hear more of her on uh, on court TV because this is a, a, going to be a legal reality moving forward for women in states like Texas, and it's what we feared, right? Um, when we looked at a Donald Trump presidency and the promises that were being made to overturn Roe versus Wade. And as part of that coalition, working closely with um, Planned Parenthood and our allies who understand the reality on the ground that women, poor women, rural women, black and brown women are disproportionately impacted by these laws, right? If you are a white, wealthy woman, you are going to be able to obtain an abortion or go out of state or gain counsel. To CK's point, these are the women that are at risk of death, of serious medical issues after a procedure or a complicated and dangerous childbirth. This is a life and death situation for women medically. I am a medically compromised person. I have, I personally have a pre-existing condition that would make pregnancy dangerous and deadly for me. I can't live in a state where I'm not able to receive a medical intervention that would save my life, period. Many other disabled women are in the same spot. And when we look at what happened in Texas and we look at 
the fact that the state government has to go through a process to approve a medical decision. This, the, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. Labor and delivery is, is, is essentially a, a, an emergency room all the time. And any woman who has been in a labor and delivery understands what's at stake there. There is no room for the state in the operating room or in that doctor's office. These are serious life and death, death issues. And what we'll see in 2024, and we saw it in the midterm elections, we see it in state referendums, right? We see that women and those who love them are showing up to understand that this is a medical issue, that government overreach here is, is at play, and that they won't allow it, right? And we see state after state like Kansas, like Michigan, like Ohio, we see a, a really, really uh, powerful ballot initiative in a state like Arizona, speaking of the Wild West, that I think is going to help propel President Biden's agenda in many levels. Because what we've seen is that people will show up to defend this right to make medical decisions and ensure that their daughters and their granddaughters are not growing up in a, in a world that is more unsafe than they had when they, when they were raising their families, right? This is, this is serious. And so we see people who understand and maybe, you know, in years past have given into some sort of the rhetoric, we'll say, on the pro, pro-life movement, right? The reality is, is conservative women are now really understanding what's at stake and this idea that the government is involved in making these decisions, that men who have no understanding, really, as we've seen time and time again in these ridiculous videos of what it takes to have a baby or really what a woman's reproductive system does, they should not be in our doctor's office, period. And for 2024, this is going to be a major issue. It's an issue that drives turnout. It drives new voter registration. It drives new voters who haven't shown up before or um, voters who are young are really, really motivated by this. And to CK's point, it's not just women. It's young people. It's the young men who are um, part of the next generation who have, have a, a different understanding that are, that are showing up on this issue, too, and saying in, in polls that this is a compelling reason to show up. So um, I, I, I think it's, it's important that as Democrats we continue to talk about the reality for women and what's at stake for the doctors as well, right? To your point earlier, Santita, will these doctors be charged? Are for, and I just want to point out some irony here. So the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology had their board exams in Texas this year. Many of the doctors taking these exams for certification all across the country, right, had to fly to Texas, pay thousands of dollars to stay in hotels in Texas that is literally making what they do illegal. So um, just a little irony there for, for your listeners. Well, you know, I think it's a transpartisan issue, quite frankly, um, because you see Donald Trump, who really has been more of a, I'm not even, he is someone who has really, who's been transpartisan. He's never been a hardcore Democrat, Republican. He is a, a businessman, transactional figure. That's what it is. And he was always pro-choice. And, you know, I understand how you shift on that issue according to the politics of, of your moment and of where you are. That having been said, um, the Kate Cox case is an example of how this can go way off 
of the page here. But I think of these women. There's a young black woman who died in her home I, just some months ago, uh, C.K. and Aaron, because she was having a medical emergency with her pregnancy. This happens all the time. Black women are twice as likely to be infertile. Uh, we are now, the CNN is about to do a special report on the fact that black women don't want to go to hospitals. We're not being treated well. And it happened with the canaries in the mind, C.K. and Aaron. What happens to black people, what happens to indigenous people, to the least of these, eventually will happen to you. And I hope we learn that lesson here. What happened, what can happen to me, eventually you keep on living, as my parents said. It will happen to you. CK, I have about, mm, you know, I have about, uh, well, you know what, let me give Aaron a minute and then you a couple of minutes because Aaron's going to have to leave us. But Aaron, what... 2024, what does that, will people register to vote over this? Do you think people will cross party lines over this? I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? Will you have state initiatives Absolutely. because of this? And, and the, the data points to that in other states that have, that have had these um, referendums on the ballot. It does drive turnout. It, it drives new voters, younger voters, folks who, um, you know, especially being a presidential election year, there's um, quite a bump in voter turnout anyway. Um, you know, it it will drive action in many ways. I think, you know, the political climate is, is extremely complicated right now, but this is an issue that we see cut through because women understand that it's life and death. People, I mean, as, as CK said, right, we're procreating in this country. It's, <laughs> everyone has some experience in their life with pregnancy and birth and supporting someone and understanding what's at stake here. So it does cross party lines in a way now. And it, the, the next generation of voters who um, are, are showing up in, in states where this has been on um, the referendum front, right? So, so we know that this is, this is a key issue. I think stories like, like this tragic one um, that so boldly illustrate the reality of, of what is to come. Um, you know, if they do charge her civilly, CK, I would love to see if, does she have a countersuit for an intentional infliction of emotional distress claim against the state? I mean, what is the next step legally there for her? I've got one minute, CK. Well, I think the next step legally for her is to lawyer up and broaden. She's got excellent lawyers right now. The Center for Reproductive Rights, I know some of the lawyers there, they, they really, and they have a lot of outside counsel. She needs to double and triple her legal team um, because they're going to come after her. So absolutely, I think she would have some counterclaims against the state. You know, the states have immunity on some level, but this is going to be groundbreaking. So if I were her, I would go for broke and levy as many claims as I could, justifiably in good faith levy based on the facts of this case. And I want to say to all the women out there and people who doubt the significance of this, pay close attention to this, because this is mobilizing people. All of the bad, bad thoughts that people are having about the president right now because of the war in Gaza and the war in Ukraine will be obliterated by this issue, obliterated at the polls by this issue. We will see, because there are, there are a lot of game-changing issues that we are looking at right now. The game is being changed, and we're going to talk about that um, very shortly. In fact, uh, the president of the United States did something publicly that presidents of the United States do not do. He sharply pri uh, criticized Israel and its prime minister. 
He said, this indiscriminate bombing you're doing is making you lose popularity. And parenthetically, it's making America lose popularity and influence. So let's talk about that. That's a game changer, everybody. Aaron, it's a joy having you. Can't wait to have you back. Sending you so much love. Sending you so much love. Give our love to John and the family. (laughs) My little godson. (laughs) Love you, girl. (laughs) All right. Just stand by, everybody. Oh, well, look, can't wait to get you back. <laughs> well, she doesn't, maybe during the holiday, but she doesn't have to drive the gaggle of kids to school. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. What happened yesterday with President Biden imploring Israel to stop, quote, indiscriminate bombing of Gaza? Indiscriminate bombing is, these are war crimes. And you had a huge, huge vote in the U.N., 153 to 10. America's not on the right side of that, y'all. Got to talk about it on the Santita Jackson Show back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sam Teter Jackson Show. Let us talk about Israel. Stunning yesterday. Uh, President Biden, they said, he said the quiet part out loud and the disagreement that he's been having in private, at least according to some reports, uh, that he's been having with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He implored Israel to stop the indiscriminate bombing, as he put it, of, of Gaza. And this was in a private fundraiser. And he said it's costing you support. And parenthetically, it's costing America support. Uh, 153 to 10, huge vote in the U.N. uh, calling for a ceasefire. America was on the wrong side of that. And yet we did an in run around Congress to get uh, more than 13,000 tank shells to Israel, even though... um, Almost 70% of Americans want a ceasefire. Let's talk about this. I can hear someone in the background, so let us get that right. We've, of course, got a legal Q&A with CK, but I'm running through this so that I can hand this over to CK because we've got some housekeeping to do just before we go on with that segment. Everybody, let's get some of these headlines out the way. Nearly 200 countries at the COP28 summit agreed to a historic deal at the Global Climate Summit, President Biden criticized Israel's conduct in its war, the indiscriminate bombing, as he put it in a private fundraiser, suggesting that the U.S. is souring on a campaign that has killed more than 17,000 Palestinians. The House will vote on an impeachment inquiry against Biden. Uh, Republicans want to strengthen their powers to investigate the Biden family's finances. The great actor Andrew ba- Andre Brower made his transition. Of course, we remember him from Glory. He played the stoic black soldier uh, from the privileged background who ended up giving his life to uh, in his blow against slavery and his uh, blow to keep the union together. And, of course, he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and so many other great television shows. One, two Emmys, just the tender age of 61, made his transition. No one, uh, no cause of death has been reported, but we dedicate the show to him today. COVID, flu, and RSV cases are on the rise in hospitals all over the country. Denise Parker, December 17th, 
starting at 12 o'clock at 8540 South Racine. You have a toy giveaway, but the number is, the name is a little deceptive because you're giving away t- toys, clothes, and food until you run out, and gift cards. Wow. So grateful to you. What's going on on the 17th, Denise? Um, I'm giving a toys ride. It's in my son named Gabriel Burke. Um, it's at 8540 South Racine. We're giving away toys, clothes, coats, pajamas, etc., gift cards. So my son started um, this year was, um, at 17. And, um, and he asked us to um, donate it. So he passed away when he was 18. So mm-hmm. we just continue in his name to do the toy drive. So this is our fourth anniversary of doing a toy drive. And I just we just out here to help families because a lot of families out here don't don't have jobs and um, raising kids that they probably their mom, their dad passed away or they locked up and their grandparents got to raise them, their aunties got to raise them and they have their own kids. So we out here to help people like that and give them a better Christmas and stuff like that. 8540 so, um, South Racine. We want everyone to be there. We're going to bring you back on tomorrow morning, a little earlier so we can hear more of your story. But we want people to be there because... The thing is, they don't limit what they give you. Whatever it is that you need, it's basically you're coming into a store, and you'll be able to get clothes, coats, food, gift cards, toys. Go to 8540 South Racine, and if if you can, put them under your Christmas tree. Stop by today, uh, up until the 17th, because people need, people are in need, people are in need, and this... Great, 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 great woman um, has decided to turn her pain into power and to honor her son and her community, our community, in this way. Sending you so much love, Denise. Your number is 312-888-5128. Yes, and thank you for having me on all week. And I oh. thank you for the donation and everybody else who's been giving donations. I really appreciate it from the bottom mm-hmm. of my heart. Well, with all of it and with all of our heart, we're grateful to you for the service you're providing, really. That's the very least I can do. 312-888-5128-312-5128-312-888-5128. Sending you so much love. Can't wait to speak with you in the morning. I'm hearing some noise in the background, everybody. Let's try and isolate that. There's something because it's, it's not good for the radio. Okay, very good. Legal Q&A with CK. CK, we've got Dr. Gibbs, who is going to make someone miserable today, or someone ecstatic, because he's got to go grade these papers. Well, we need to hear from Dr. Gibbs, because we want him to continue his great work and spread the joy. And uh, so, Dr. Gibbs, we're just going to call on you. And and what say you about this um, news, this latest pronouncement of President Biden relative to yet now he's um, indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. Right. I, I, so far, the way it looks is that the United States is under enormous pressure to at least make some cosmetic changes in U.S. policy in the way of at least uh, mildly distancing itself from the most extreme violence uh, that Israel is uh, undertaking in Gaza. Um, 
so far, I, I doubt it goes beyond the cosmetic and that the United States is funding and making enabling uh, what Israel is doing in Gaza to a massive degree. I mean, most of Israel's weapons, not quite all of them, but certainly a lot of them come from the United States with American funding and now with supplemental American funding. And to the best of my knowledge, that has not changed. Now, um, what Biden is responding to is the overwhelming international condemnation of Israel, which is making not just Israel look bad, as he noted, but it's also making the United States look bad as well. And um, so I think that that's what's happening here. Now, as things continue, it's possible that the United States will exert real pressure on Israel in terms of threatening to withdraw support, making a credible threat that if Israel does not produce some kind of ceasefire and political settlement, the United States will withdraw support. That, to my knowledge, that hasn't happened yet. Whether it will happen or not, I don't know. But that, that could happen as the United States begins to see the fallout in terms of its own influence in the world being affected by what Israel is doing. And the calculus, which at the present seems to be that Israel is an asset from the standpoint of American global power. Um, you know, which, again, as people have noted on this show, it's America's unsinkable aircraft carrier in the Middle East. Uh, that could change in terms of perception and the policy could change. And I think the overarching issue here is a fear that what is going on in Gaza now is accelerating the already clear, marked decline of American influence in the world. Um, that was very clear already with regard to the Ukraine war, that majority of the world did not support America's efforts to isolate Russia. Um, you know, we have what I call a NATO bubble of a certain number of countries comprising 15 percent of the world's population that did seek to isolate Russia, but that's not most of the world. Most of the world is outside the NATO bubble. And it was very clear that America's efforts to isolate Russia were largely a failure, uh, particularly in the economic sense. And that reflected the decline of American power. And what's going on in Gaza now is further accelerating this decline of American power. You are getting um, the operative phrase here is what's called multipolarity, meaning that we'll have a situation, I think, in the foreseeable future, where the United States is not the only country calling the shots in the world order. And we'll have multiple countries influencing what goes on in the world. Countries like China, India are already anticipating that rise of multipolarity. You could get, this is what I would hope anyway, a more empowerment of UN Security Council as the arbiter of global conflict, not just the United States. Um, that happened. I think that's what the Biden administration is worried about, is the acceleration of this trend toward multipolarity, a decline of U.S. influence. And, you know, what we're seeing now, at least at the verbal level, uh, as an effort to stave off that possibility by a very mild, mostly cosmetic condemnation of Israel. But again, I don't think at the moment this is going to have any substantive influence, and Israel uh, will continue its um, very brutal bombardment of Gaza. Mm. Dr. Gibbs. Okay, CK, I think we can release him now, so that, please don't don't hurt him. <laughs> give, give okay. On behalf of college students everywhere, give them something nice to go home to, please. <laughs> right, well, thank you for having me again, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure. You see, he just went and right on past you. that, but I'm not mad at him. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Santita, um, and, and we thank Dr. Gibbs. Um, Santita, you know, I, I wanted Robert Patillo to speak and just kind of set the table from a different vantage 
standpoint. Mm. Um, globally, you know, Robert Patil is from our, of course, from our Rainbow family, has grown up in our Rainbow family, but also has his own talk show, WAOK, and, and appears globally in the media talking mm. about these issues on a regular basis. So, Robert, from your standpoint and what you're hearing globally while you're being interviewed um, in different countries, what can you say about this? And what are the perceptions of the United States right now as it relates to this war in Gaza? Well, I think just as President Biden said, the stature of, of Israel's being an untouchable nation, um, that facade has gone away. I think for uh, much of uh, many of our lives, uh, it's always been the Israeli side of the story. And that was the only story that we heard, and everyone else was terrorist. Um, but with the Internet and with social media, we're seeing the democratization of information. Uh, and it's very difficult to see children being blown up in a hospital uh, and argue that those people are the terrorists that you're trying to fight against. It's very difficult to see um, the indiscriminate bombing of civilian areas or um, the that bombing of refugee camps, killing uh, old ladies and, uh, and families, etc. They still maintain the moral high ground. This is something that Netanyahu has never had to deal with the entirety of his dictatorial rule. Uh, and people also are reminded of when Netanyahu ran for re-election, um, because it seems that no matter how many times he's indicted, no matter how many times he put out of power, he comes back a year or two later. On the last election cycle, he ran on exactly this, on the destruction of Gaza. Um, it was no secret that this was his plan. Um, he put together the most far-right-wing radical government in Israeli history, um, even more radical than the Zionist government of Ben-Gurion at the beginning of the uh, of the Israeli state. Um, he put these judicial reforms that made it nearly impossible for even the Supreme Court of the nation to regulate the actions of him and of his cabinet members. Uh, of course, he was indicted for corruption charges that he very much wanted to change the, the narrative on in Israel. All of these things are leading the international community to believe that this war, quote-unquote, wasn't about um, stopping Hamas terrorists. It was about Benjamin Netanyahu wanting to improve his status within Israel by uh, destroying Gaza, something he's promised to do uh, long into the past. And then when the news report came out saying that this was not a surprise attack, the Israelis knew about the, uh, the attack was coming months, if not years, beforehand. Um, many people in the international community believe that this was a, uh, a, a wag-the-dog situation, a situation where Benjamin Netanyahu allowed the attacks to happen as a Cassius Belli uh, to go into Gaza and to destroy those areas. So what we're seeing now is President Biden has been the staunchest ally of Israel uh, for the last 50 years. At one point he said that if Israel didn't exist, he'd have to create it because it's that important to U.S. interest in the Middle East. The fact that someone like President Biden even is uh, pushing back on, this, uh, on Netanyahu and pushing back on our support for Israel, I think it very much shows the weakening of their stature throughout the world. There's only so long that you can just say that anybody who disagrees with you is an anti-Semite, and that is all you have to say when the images are coming out and the stories are coming out, and we all can now speak to Palestinians, speak to Arabs, um, understand that the uh, their perspective on the discussion, and understand that the reason there has not been a two-state solution is that Netanyahu doesn't believe in a two-state solution. He doesn't believe in the 1967 lines. He doesn't believe in the 1947 lines. He believes in the 2000 BC lines. He believes in the state of Israel and the state of Judah is banded out into Syria and into Iraq, the ancient uh, the ancient territories, and he's dedicated to reestablishing those. So for America, 
our position has to go from one of being the big brother to Israel uh, to being a uh, global partner with Israel, the same with, with other nations, and have the ability to hold them to account when they are committing war crimes as they are currently. And I believe that this Israeli Hamas quote unquote war will be wrapping up in the coming weeks, uh, primarily because the international community has soured on this. And I don't think that it's easy to justify the actions of Israel. This is why we saw 300,000 people in the streets of Washington, D.C., 500,000 in the streets of London, a million people in the streets of um, of Turkey uh, and other nations around the world, because the popular support for Israel has degraded, and Netanyahu may have done irreparable damage to the reputation of Israel on the international stage. Mm. Wow. Well, Santita, that's why we want Robert to set the table, and thank you, Robert, for setting Absolutely. on the table in that way and for bringing that perspective. And so I think this is, you know, a good, you know, segue to speak to Molly Hartenstein, who can, and I'm, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, from If Not If Not Now in Chicago to give your perspective and what you're hearing in the groups and the communities that you serve and that you work within. Wait a minute, at a proud graduate of Amherst, we must say, one of our young people, we're so so excited that she's back in the Chicago area, and, you know, she's been involved with uh, really helping to amplify black voices, and she's just quite quite the active, quite, quite the activist, and we're so proud of you. Thank you all so much. Um, Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, I come to this as a member of Jewish Voice for Peace Chicago, and I work with If Not Now, which are groups committed to challenging Zionist narratives of uh, Judaism being related to Israel and taking a stand for peace in Israel and Palestine and a peaceful, just, and liberatory future for everyone there. Um, And to me, um, Biden's remarks yesterday reflect sentiments that advocates for peace, including myself and people I work with, have been sharing since October 8th. Um, To say that the indiscriminate bombing is bad and looks bad to the world community is the bare minimum. And they also actively ignore Biden's agency and the U.S. government's agency in funding and enabling that same indiscriminate bombing. Um, I think it is extremely clear to me that, as um, Robert was saying before, uh, and Dr. Gibbs, these are superficial remarks. Um, made evident by the fact that the person who introduced Biden at that very fundraiser where he made the remarks uh, is a leader for APAC, which is a Israel, pro-Israel lobbying organization that has um, given, and Biden has accepted the most money from APAC as any other current political candidate. Um, more to the point, even, the day before, he made comments implying that if there was no Israel, there wouldn't be a Jew in the world who was safe, which puts the onus on Israel and once again completes the identity of all Jewish people with the state of Israel and its actions, which is in and of itself a harmful stance to take and implies that Jewish people are not safe in America or anywhere else in the world and implies that Jewish people are only safe to the expense of Palestinian people. Um, I think what we see, like Robert was just saying, is that these, the position of, of unabashed support for Israel is starting to hurt Biden, not just internationally, but also domestically, where we see the majority of young people support um, a ceasefire now and disagree with the Biden administration's policies uh, towards Israel-Palestine. And we see losses for him in the polls of young people as well, because we will not vote for someone who does not have our best interests, the world's best interests, or peace and justice itself in mind, as made evidence by their policies. Um, 
And yeah, I think it is safe to say that, that all of this is not hurting or is hurting his support among the youth who are turning out in massive numbers, especially during this week, uh, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, where on Thursday night, um, Jewish Voice of Peace Chicago, if not now Chicago, and the Jewish Fast for Gaza are hosting an end of Hanukkah rededication um, of ourselves to the cause of Palestinian liberation at 4.30 p.m. in Daily Plaza on Thursday. But I also would love um, to plug live a chance and encourage everyone who can to attend. Um, and, and yeah, I think the last thing to say here, not the last thing, obviously, but an important note to make, too, is that Biden is not the only elected official whose voice matters. As made evidence by the fact that 49th Ward Alderman Maria Haddon yesterday in Chicago um, changed her position on um, Alderman Razan Rodriguez Sanchez's ceasefire resolution after being pushed by her constituents. The same is true for our, our senator of Illinois, Dick Durbin, who, after weeks and weeks of calls from his constituents, was the first senator to endorse anything near a ceasefire. So I think um, while what Biden said is not enough and does not indicate substantial change, um, especially looking at where he gets his money and what he does with that money. Um, I think it is safe to say that our voices on this issue are making a lot of change, and that's the only reason why Biden would have ever said what he did say yesterday. You know, CK, if I I may ask Molly, I mean, and to that point, do you think that, as Robert noted, the 300,000 persons in the streets supporting Palestine in Washington, half a million here, a million there, a million in Turkey, a half a million, it looked like more than that in London and all around the world. Do you think, do you think that privately he might be pushing Netanyahu? I mean, because just the day before, we voted to not to, not to have a ceasefire at the UN. Just the day before, a, a an in run around Congress was made to deliver thirteen thousand more tank shells. So I'm like, it, it sounds it sounds like you you know you're you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, Molly. Well, exactly. I I mean I think I I think that politicians care more about their reelection campaigns and their wallets and their constituents, which doesn't mean that we can't make a change. Um, and I do think the responsibility for these comments lie on the thousands of people who have gone out in the streets who have made phone calls and demanded more of their elected officials. Um, but I, I do think that Biden is actively talking out of both sides of his mouth, and he needs to put his money where his mouth is and actually take responsibility for the fact that if it wasn't for the U.S.'s unconditional support, and specifically unconditional financial support and, and military funding, Israel would not be able to do what they are doing in Gaza and in the West Bank right now. Um, And so while we can see the effect that we are having, and it is hopeful to recognize that our voices are being heard, we still have to keep doing more. And that's why we will keep going out to the streets and keep organizing, because we know that these systems enabled by, by, by groups like APAC, by institutions like the United States, or the United Nations, where the U.S. has an outsized role in the Security Council, are not going to um, accurately reflect the urgency we need them to right now in this moment, as hundreds of people continue to die every day. Um, and so, like I said, I think while it's great that, that Biden did finally say something, he only said something at the urging of constituents like us. And so we have to continue that he does that and matches it with action. And I point to the fact that the last time he made any kind of critical remark on this um, around a month ago was when um, a member of Jewish Voice of Peace Twin Cities interrupted his fundraising remarks and 
made him take a stand. Um, and so I think that just goes to show that, um, yeah, that, that our campaigns are working, and, and we, but we need the support of everybody we can to amplify their impact. C.K., we got a lot to talk about on Legal Q&A with C.K., because, you know, we still haven't talked about war crimes and what that means. Rashida Tlaib said, you know what? America is dangerously close to being taken to the ICC. Not that we'd pay attention, but there's something to be said for that. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show Legal Q&A with C.K. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Everybody, we've got legal Q&A with CK as we're talking about... The Middle East, the Middle East now, you talk about something that could really erupt into a world conflict. It's got the world on edge. It's got the world on edge. We're going to be talking about that because President Biden, at least Mali, (laughs) had some interesting words. We never hear Israel criticized. And this is something since October 7th that has really been quite shocking for most Americans. And of course, uh, CK, we've got a tremendous panel uh, that you have uh, that you have under your leadership today. Dwight McKee, of course, we have attorney Mark Fancher. We have Bryce Green from Fairness and Accuracy Reporting. We have Dr. David Gibbs with us. And uh, we have got Oh, did I did I miss you, Mark Fancher? I hope not. Attorney Mark Fancher, brilliant civil libertarian, and welcoming someone new to the family. We're so excited to have this young lady, graduate of Amherst, Marley Hartenstein. A Harten, is it Hartenstein or Hartenstein? I want to get it correct. Uh, I say Hartenstein. Thanks. Okay, asking. Hartenstein. No, no. What well, is important? Look, my, like my name is not Santina. It's Santita. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. You know, I try to find partners for this show because what keeps us on the air are our sponsors, everybody. I try to find partners with whom I am aligned, and, and I'm aligned with people who are socially conscious and who want to empower you. And I love Credo Mobile for that reason. They have donated more than $95 million to progressive nonprofits working for a better world. So we're proud to welcome Credo Mobile aboard as WCPT's and the Santita Jackson Show's newest sponsor. Now I want you to go to Credo, C-R-E-D-O, mobile.com, credomobile.com. Now, just because... They are socially progressive and contribute to causes that are aligned with you. Doesn't mean you're not going to get excellent service from them. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, you can get the best phones, the best service. They compete with the big guys. But what separates them from the big guys is that they're on your side. That's right. We could not imagine a more aligned partner than Credo Mobile. They are socially conscious. They give money, $95 million, to socially conscious causes. And they are looking to create a better world. They're looking to do well while they do good. And they are doing great things. And they are now our partners on the Santita Jackson Show. With Credo Mobile, you get great coverage. 
You get great phones, the latest phones. You get the best plans. And they compete with the big guys. In fact, I'm going to go on and get a phone through Credo. I am going to do that. Your money supports them, and they support you. Go to CredoMobile.com, C-R-E-D-O Mobile.com, CredoMobile.com, or call them at 877-346-0516, 877-346-0516. CK, you got some more people who want to weigh in on this issue. Wow, what an issue to weigh in on, CK. Absolutely, absolutely. Dwight McKee, you know, Dwight McKee, is, has been in the struggle, social science, visionary, um, par excellence, as he says. And Dwight Mickey, what do you say about all of this? You have been, you projected, actually, predicted that some of this would happen. So what do you Girl, think? Girl, all of it. <laughs> all of it. We're going to have to call him Cleo. Just kidding. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Cleo. Well, you know it can go both ways now. <laughs> so that's what he's going to have to be. You can be Cle- he can be Cleopatra or Cleophus. <laughs> so he's going to be Cleophus. Oh, yeah. Cleophus. Okay. Cleophus. Okay. <laughs> like Cleophus I, I, I Robinson. Uncle White. Or Daddy B. Or Uncle B. Cleophus. Cleophus. Like Cleophus Robinson, he's one of the one of the gospel greats. Dwight, that that's it with him. That's your new name. Cleophus. Cleophus. <laughs> Cleophus. <laughs> Cleophus. <laughs> <laughs> Cleophus. <laughs> from my last name, from my last name, Cleophus Robinson for the record. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that the the, the family today has been right on it. It's just one component that's been kind of left out to me is that I be- really believe that Biden is looking at what the world is, uh, how the world is coming down on Israel and on the United States and its growth of popularity. But beyond that, I think he's looking at Michigan and Ohio and Minnesota. And the border states where there are large Muslim populations that are taking those states red and it's going to probably cost him the election. And I think he sees that now as much more real because his polling numbers are at all time low. But in addition to that, I think what he's looking at uh, with one eye is the fact that if he does lose... uh, Trump has already told him that his first priority is going to be to take him and his family out. And so he has a lot at stake, just like Trump has a lot at stake with these trials. I think Biden understands now he has a lot at stake because the only thing that's standing between him and a trial is a victory that is getting further and further and further down the road as uh, his positions with uh, Israel become more and more unpopular with those states that he needs those electoral votes. And they are, he sees them flying out of the window because young people are not co-signing on this. The, Israel, uh, the, the Islamic world is not signing on this. And black people Mostly black men are also not signing on this. Wait a minute. Black women aren't signing on this either. Don't you just do that. Hold on. Well, (laughs) they they tend to be the most loyal to him. Mm -hmm. Much more loyal than black men, I think, who are much more negotiable 
I think that even though they are upset about this, many of them may remain because they have, you know, this this loyalty to, to loyalty to uh, Camilla and this loyalty to the Democratic Party. That they are of all of the constituencies, they tend to be the most loyal. But black men now are much more flexible and much more negotiable. That's true. And many of them are jumping on Trump's side. And so I think that as he sees this campaign, this election, flying out of the window, and he sees the reality of either he's going to be replaced or Trump may beat him, and the fact that if Trump beats him, Trump has already said that he's coming after him, and they're coming after his son uh, next week, he's going to be, you know, indicted, has been indicted. And even Trump, it looks as if he's going to be impeached or they're going to vote on his impeachment in the next couple of days. I think he really sees himself under fire. And his, his alliance with Netanyahu is not helping him. Netanyahu is going to take them both down. I think he, now he realizes that. Well, you know what seeking is. Yeah, desperation. Hmm? De- out of desperation, and Dwight, I mean, as as CK, you know, whatever order you choose, as we bring on Bryce and and uh, and Mark Fancher, you know, he did this whataboutism. He said, "But hey, wait a minute, you've carpet, you carpet bombed Germany, and and Biden had to say, wait, I'm like, wait a minute, can you not take some good advice, man?'" He said, yeah, and and we did some things over in Southeast Asia, and we paid for it, killing 20% of the population of Korea. Uh, This has diminished us across the world. I mean, and it's been a cumulative effect, CK. You know, it might might not have happened on the front side, but now 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, people remember CK. Absolutely, absolutely. I'd like to call on, on Mark because he always has a very interesting perspective on this and and see what he thinks about this. this. And I don't know if it's a real change in Biden. It's more of a realization that he mm-hmm. has to take a different position gradually. I don't know if our policy is going to change fundamentally, cosmetically, yes. But even this change is a major change in the context in general. But love to hear what our esteemed attorney, um, civil libertarian, has to say about this. Well, you know, I I don't doubt that uh, President Biden is uh, making his own calculations about this and has his own thoughts and opinions and preferences. But as I've said in the past, I think that all U.S. presidents are essentially uh, errand boys for major multinational corporations and capitalism generally, imperialism generally. And their agenda is not one that they set for themselves. I think that they take their cue from the corporations uh, and what's in their interests. And from the perspective of the major corporations, uh, international uh, imperialists generally, uh, it doesn't matter who the president is so much as whether they're going to do what's necessary to sustain uh, the dominance of the empire. Uh, whether they're going to maintain access to the world's resources. And I think that uh, the the empire makes its calculations based on a number of things. Uh, One of the things that I think that it always is concerned about is to what extent there is uh, stability 
uh, in the sense that it will allow them to continue to conduct business uh, without in any way interfering with or compromising their opportunity and ability to make profits. And while they will uh, allow for a certain amount of warfare, violence, and instability, if it's necessary to put down uh, any type of challenge uh, to their power and their dominance and their hegemony, uh, they don't want it to go on so long or create such controversy, uh, such destabilization, that they're not able to conduct business as usual. And I think that uh, the situation in Gaza is rapidly approaching that point for many of them, uh, that they see that this is no longer a contained uh, war that is, is going on in one discrete part of the world, uh, but it's now taken on a global significance, uh, the world is weighing in on it. The world is concerned about it. And the world is making judgments about who's right and who's wrong. And those judgments are not cutting in favor of those that uh, have up to now been the, uh, the, the, the puppets, have, been the, have constituted the machinery that's been used by the empire uh, to dominate the Middle East, that region of the world, which is so sensitive from a geopolitical standpoint. Uh, and now they have an enhanced interest, particularly in Gaza, because of the discovery of oil there. And they really have to get that situation under control. And continuing to back uh, a regime that is hell-bent on genocide and committing war crimes uh, and crimes against humanity uh, may be something that they're not willing to, to support anymore. And while there probably will not be any sudden change in their support for the, the Zionist government of Israel, uh, I think that they may be trying to lay the foundation for a shift away from that. Uh, there is a long history of them having done it. Uh, you know, Manuel Noriega knew that very well. He was a CIA operative for a while, but then uh, the empire turned on him with a vengeance and uh, was determined to take him out. Ferdinand Marcos in the Philippines experienced it. Uh, the government in South Vietnam experienced it. Muammar Gaddafi, who for uh, uh, the 1980s and the 1990s was regarded as terrorist number one in 2006, all of a sudden became the darling of the empire because he began to play their, play their tune and to dance to their music. Uh, but then he broke ranks again, and once he did, then they decided to assassinate him. Mobutu Sese Seiko in the Congo. Even Nelson Mandela, who now is widely celebrated and honored, at one point was regarded as a terrorist by the empire because it was not in their interest. So when the empire says that it has no permanent friends, only permanent interests, uh, people would be well advised to take them seriously. And Netanyahu, in particular, ought to be taking that very seriously because they may be su supporting him now, they may be friends now, but it'll be interesting to see where they stand uh, a few months down the road. Mm. Well, we haven't heard from Bryce. Wow, CK. Well, Bryce, let's, let's, let's get to it because I know time is closing in and we'd love to hear from Bryce, um, especially on the heels of, and thank you, Mark, for that perspective of what um, Mark Sancher just said and the perspective that he just gave. Right? Oh, right. Well, you know, I, I pretty much agree with almost everything that's been said uh, about the nature of uh, how this conflict is affecting the U.S. image abroad, about how 
the multipolar, multipolar world that's coming, whether or not the United States wants it or not, and that this Gaza situation exacerbates these previous trends that we've been seeing uh, with the, uh, you know, the Ukraine war and the world refusing to go along with the U.S. sanctions regime against Russia. Uh, we've seen the alternative of a Chinese-led uh, and Chinese-influenced system uh, being seriously explored by many countries around the world. And we've seen uh, China act largely as a peacemaker on the world stage. You know, they made peace between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, they have been responsible on the issue of Ukraine. Uh, and this is in stark contrast to the United States, which has been exacerbating all of these tensions. They've been exacerbating the tensions between Saudi Arabia and Iran. They've been exacerbating uh, the war in Ukraine. They've been exacerbating uh, all of these different situations. And people around the world are starting to understand it. And even though the public opinion of the United States is uh, largely against this war, uh, you know, the United States, uh, they, their leaders don't necessarily have to pay attention to public opinion uh, because this country isn't truly a democracy. Um, like what was said earlier, these, the, the, our leaders in America, they are essentially functionaries of the corporate state. And the corporate state sets the policy, they set the agenda, they pay for the elections, they pay for the lobbyists who influence the politicians' uh, you know, thoughts. The public really has very little mechanisms to actually affect the direction of our government. Uh, but it does seem to have an effect. Uh, these politicians do care to some extent about being reelected. And at a certain point, the amount of money that you get from corporations and special interest donors and all of these lobby groups, the amount of money that you get from that will not help you with the election. And so that might be one of the reasons that you've seen somewhat moderating language from the Biden administration. They explicitly called Israel's bombing of Gaza indiscriminate, something that they weren't willing to do before. Uh, however, even with that criticism, uh, the administration pledged to continue supporting it. Now, there has been reporting about uh, the, the Biden administration and Tony Blinken and the State Department putting a limit on the Israeli operation in Gaza. Uh, you know, there's been some reporting, I believe it's from the Financial Times, that uh, the Biden administration does not want this war to go on beyond early next year, uh, which is a pretty striking report if you think about it. What that means is that the U.S. has the ability to call off this war if it feels like it it's in its interest. And they decided not to do that this far. And this is after 20,000 Palestinians have been killed. This is after nearly half and uh, half of the buildings in Gaza have been destroyed. This is after people are being murdered in their homes. Uh, after all of this is being done with U.S. support, after U.S. bases are being attacked all around the Middle East, after all that, the United States has said that this is uh, this is still a policy worth supporting. And uh, what's important to understand about this entire situation is that the U.S. is an empire and that its, its influence spans beyond its borders. But it gets very difficult to run the empire, to influence all these countries when they all see uh, the, when they all see America for what it really is, which is a military machine that doesn't care about the rest of the world. Uh, when this war started, diplomats all over the world, uh, American diplomats, were saying that they've just undone two years of goodwill building 
by supporting Israel's war on Gaza while opposing Russia's war in Ukraine. Uh, the fact is that hypocrisy is very easy to call out all, uh, or very easy to see from all around the world. But it's very difficult to see in the United States uh, unless, of course, you're one of these, uh, one of the, the, the few people who are actively opposing the war. You know, there are people who say that the ceasefire is necessary, and uh, that's very important. Uh, but uh, very little of our political establishment is actually uh, working to do any sort of action to stop the war. And, and so this is, uh, again, a, a very contentious situation with respect to the U.S. and the rest of the world. It'll be interesting to see just how much the rest of the world is able to take from the U.S. You've seen this United Nations vote where right after the U.S. vetoes a Security Council resolution calling for a ceasefire, uh, the U.N. General Assembly, which represents the majority of the world, uh, they refuted, they rebuked the Americans to their face. They said that the majority of the world wants a ceasefire. America and Israel stand virtually alone. Uh, well, there were some uh, Pacific Islands who also voted, uh, you know, American outposts. Uh, but largely the U.S. and Israel stand alone. How long can this situation remain? How long can this go forward? Uh, only time will tell. 153 to 10. <laughs> that was the vote in the U.N. No, C.K., uh, before you close yeah. us out, I wanted to hear from Molly Hartenstein of If Not Now, Absolutely. because, you know, they, they have an action. They, you know, they are in uh, the Jewish community are inviting all of us to be a part of their Hanukkah uh, celebration. And I'm so excited about that. Molly. Yes, um, this Thursday at 430 p.m., we will be meeting in Daly Plaza to rededicate ourselves to the fight for Palestinian liberation and freedom uh, because Hanukkah actually means rededication and that's what we do when we light the candles um, everyone um, I'm very excited about it and after we light candles we'll be going on a musical march featuring local Chicago artists um, and traditional Jewish songs adopted for this occasion um, to show Chicago to show Illinois to show America and the world that we stand in solidarity with um, people in Gaza, with people in the West Bank, with Palestinians. CK, waiting for you on Court TV, girly girl. This last minute belongs to you. <laughs> if she would only call me, everybody, and tell me when she's going to be on. But just watch Court TV. She's going to be on again next week. If she would only let me know. She's like, girl, I just forget. I just go on. I'm like. You're on it for like a two-hour block. You can't tell me. <laughs> Go on, CK. <sighs> well, Santita, uh, the world is changing. The world is evolving. We are evolving as a people. U.S. policy might be shifting, but it's not changing as relates to Israel. And I don't think that we should fool ourselves into believing it's going to change anytime soon dramatically. But that doesn't mean that there can't be a shift. And that doesn't mean that a shift, which could ultimately lead to a change, is not worth fighting for. Because it is worth fighting for anything, anytime we've seen a change in this country. It's because people have stood up and fought for that change. And now is no different. So I applaud the courage of people collectively who stand in solidarity, who are speaking out. And, you know, we understand this is a political issue for Biden. He's running for president. 
And whether that's going to make a difference or not, I believe it is. And so we should continue to fight. Fight, fight, fight. Israeli security, Palestinian justice, they are inextricably linked. We must have both. We must have it all. We can make this world what it's supposed to be. And while policy might not change immediately, you have the power to move the needle and make it change ultimately. Get active, everybody. And meet Jewish Voice for Peace, if not now, and so many of our Jewish brothers and sisters in Daily Plaza tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. It's going to be a wonderful Hanukkah celebration as that holiday closes out. Wonderful, wonderful holiday celebration. I'm going to try and get down there myself. Hey, everybody. Closing thoughts from this wonderful panel on the Santita Jackson Show. Love you, CK. Everybody, throughout the week, she is on Court TV, and she's on WAOK every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Central Time, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Robert Rotillo, 1 to 4, every Sunday on WAOK. And, of course, he's part of the national leadership team of Rainbow Push, and she's head of it. She's the chair of the board. Love you, everybody. God bless you. Have a great one.